You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. You're listening to episode number 60 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, dreamers. Rory O'Malley here. Welcome to Living the Dream. Thank you so much for downloading, listening. I truly appreciate it. I feel like every week I'm hearing from more and more of you that you're getting something out of these conversations and I really can't tell you how much that means to me. Please, if you are enjoying Living the Dream, I would love it if you could rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen. And if you can also subscribe so that it will go right to your phone when we put out a new episode every week. My guest this week is Bobby Steggert, a pro uh, of Broadway. Uh, He is From a young age, he's been working right out of school. He has an incredible story, and I'm so glad I got to talk to him this week because he's left acting, even though he's had this huge, amazing career, been nominated for a Tony. He was in Ragtime, where that's the one he was nominated for a Tony for. He was in 110 in the Shade, Big Fish. He was wonderful in Big Fish with Norbert Leo Butts. Um, He's leaving behind his acting career. You know, for now, he's moving on and doing something else, something incredible, something incredible. I walked right into that. Um, He is becoming a social worker. He is uh, at Columbia University and getting his master's in social work, which is such a selfless, courageous, and amazing profession. My cousin Katie, who's like a sister to me, is a social worker, and she's my hero, And so I've been able to see how difficult it is to get your education in social work and also what kind of work these wonderful human beings do. And so I'm very, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm just completely moved. And many times in this conversation, I don't know what to even say (laughs) because I'm not asking about agents and this or that I'm asking about something that's really, really important. And it's a profound moment in his life that he's leaving behind an acting career that's so incredibly successful to do something else. He put out a Facebook post on July 10th, uh, which is the reason that I felt like it was okay to ask him to talk about it on the podcast. I'm going to read a little bit of this Facebook post so you have some context for our conversation. About two years ago, I completely turned my back on an acting career that I had spent 20 years building. I found myself increasingly discontented by the lack of control that every artist must submit to, and I found myself nauseatingly self-concerned in a job that threw me off balance enough to never quite feel stable. That, and as the world spiraled into the surreal chaos that continues to swirl around us today, I found it harder and harder to justify my contribution as enough to make a significant difference. He also goes on to say that, strange that I had to completely rewrote the entire trajectory of my life to learn that I already had everything I needed to make a difference. My master's degree will be a piece of paper, but my life as an artist will make me a great social worker. This I know. And if I ever return to acting, it will be with this knowledge, and I hope it reminds you of your own possibilities, that the work does not stop when unemployed. 
that you are an artist every day, if you so choose. That art is an obligation, and that it must be lived, not simply offered to those who have paid the price of admission. Well, that pretty much uh, that pretty much sums up why we have these conversations, right? So, let's talk to Bobby Steger right now. <laughs> Hi, Bobby. Hi, Rory. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Uh, you're getting ready to go on vacation. I am. I'm going to see the Steger clan. We do it uh, every year. One of my favorite parts of the year, but I'm very glad to talk to you before I leave. Thank you so, so much for joining us on Living the Dream. I kind of want to get right to why I feel like it's important to talk to you right now. Like what 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 I want to talk to you about um, today, because... You've always been somebody who I've uh, looked up to and who I think is, has had such a wonderful career. I had, I had recently heard over the, I don't, I don't know, remember when I heard this first. It, it was in the last six months. I had heard that you had started going back to school and that you were um, becoming a social worker. And I was yeah. so, so excited um, because my cousin... Katie, who's like a sister to me, she's a social worker, and I, one, know how hard it is to become one, and two, I think of, I think the world of her, she's my hero, and I know that the world is going to be a better place having Bobby Steggert as a, a licensed social worker, um, but you made a Facebook post last week to really kind of talk about why you made this decision. And it was a, I think you called it a note to actors, like a, like an open letter, an open letter. Yes. An open letter to actors. And I've just read some of it to, to our listeners. I want to, I guess, just ask you why you felt like it was important to write that letter. Well, you know, I've been sitting on why I, why I made the decision to, to stop at least a career in acting for, for a couple of years since I've started going to school. Um, and it's been sort of a long process coming to understanding even why I made the decision, because of course any big life change is complicated. Um, and I think I've been thinking a lot lately about the frustration I used to experience uh, connected to just how much, how little control actors have in choosing their own destinies. Um, and, and I think I just wanted to empower other actors who I, still respect so much and think are doing incredible things for the world um, to really understand how much power they have um, in every moment of their, of their lives. I mean, um, actors and artists are, are special people and um, I wanted them to remember that when they're not on stage. Right. I, I mean, it's, it, but it's, it's very brave, I think, <laughs> because it makes you very vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable in, personally. And it was something that you said in the letter as well, that uh, another reason that you're doing is that you found access on a stage to be vulnerable, but that it was, were you saying that it was harder for you to do that in real life? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I have nothing to lose by being incredibly honest about it now. Um, Mm. I wish I had been more honest then, but, um, you know, the stage for me as a kid was, was a a place of safety. You know, I was, young, scared, gay kid in, in Maryland. Um, and it was a place where I could process these big emotions in a, in a place where I was applauded as opposed to shamed. Um, and it felt really safe in that regard. But uh, as I became an adult, as I became a professional, um, you know, as pure as I, I still believe my engagement in acting was, because I'm, I'm proud of, of how I was able to access that stuff as right. a professional. Um, I wasn't really doing the real work. I, I was letting the stage sort of keep me hidden and um, keep me from dealing with those those big uh, life lessons in my more intimate uh, connections with family and friends and loved ones. And so I knew that for me, I had to make a big choice and leave the safety so that I could encounter the kind of, for me, scarier um, intimacies in my actual personal life. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's big. It's big, but but <laughs> that's yeah. why I'm relieved now because uh the stage was intoxicating, but um I'm finding a simpler happiness now. Right. Yeah. A simple like 
um, simple little things from from a, <laughs> from a from a show you've done. You know that that song is 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 something that I think about a lot, actually. Uh, from one ten in the shade, right? I'm I'm one ten in the shade. Oh simple, yeah, simple little things. Um, that I've found the more that I've gotten success in this business, the more I realize that you can't have a, a certain kind of happiness that's greater than Christmas morning with your family. It's impossible. It's yeah. not. It's there. We will constantly, because we are animals who are searching for different life experiences as artists, as actors, that we're like, there's got to be another level of happiness and joy. But there isn't. There is, there's only, um, there's really only one kind of joy. And when you realize how simple it is to access it and you don't have to put yourself through hell in, in our industry. And then in fact, if you do put yourself through hell and you do get, uh, that thing, that job that you think will make you happy, you start to resent it. You start to you know, be like, well, this is it. This is the, this is what I've been, you know, putting everything on the line for. And, you know, not, to, you know, everything that I've gotten in this business, I'm, I'm so grateful for, but I think that it's really given me a different perspective on happiness in general. And it, it you realize that success can, can kind of be a hindrance to being happy. Yeah. I, I think that's beautifully put. And, you know, like in the bigger macro picture, like, you know, success in our culture and especially in sort of the social media age is correlated with expression, with self-expression. Um, and I'm learning more and more that I, I think success uh, should be correlated with uh, with listening, with learning and with giving space to those around you. Um, and those just aren't values that are celebrated right now in our in our sort of nonstop consumerist culture, you know? Right. And um, I don't know, I, I think it's it's important back to actors specifically to uh to remind artists that they're actually trained in listening they're, they're trained in um in doing the work of actually giving space to others right yeah yes yes absolutely and and i guess i have to first ask you this do you look at this as and you've kind of said this in the letter but let's reiterate do you look at this as you're done with acting forever i am done with uh, letting the concerns of a career um, drive me. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, if some amazing playwright calls and says, like, will you do a reading of my new play? Of course I'll do it, you know? Right. And and my hope is that I'll do it and I'll, I'll, I'll find even more joy in it and I'll find even more freedom as, as an actor in that material. Um, I, I just refuse to um, to wear the label of actor as profession. Huh. Because that, that for me trapped me, you know, I felt really, um, I felt imprisoned by that because I, I, I felt I was tending a career, not a soul. Right. right. Even, even when you're doing soulful work and when you feel like you're, you're making a difference in the stories you're telling, um, I just got, I, I got lost in, in trying to make a living of it. Right. It's, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like taken aback by having this conversation with you because one, this is a conversation that so many of us actors have on our own inside our heads by ourselves. Yeah. And it's hard to articulate it to other people, but especially to other actors. I feel like um, part of the reason I started a podcast or I've done other things is because of this exact feeling. I'm laughing at myself that you literally... <laughs> went to like oh, you did this amazing thing and i'm like well i got a podcast so that's something <laughs> i can do on my own because i think it's really about have you you talk about control and about being able to you know put yourself into something every day and and make a difference in the world and i, I feel like this podcast as small as it is and as you know it is that thing has become that thing for me like oh once a week i'll talk to another actor and maybe some other human beings will get something out of it who are going through the same kinds of struggles right or yeah. the same kind of joy but you are going to be able to do that on such a greater level um 
and, and, and work with people face to face, human beings who are in dire need of help. I, I think that like anytime I've done something like even small, like a podcast or do something with a nonprofit, I've been like, Oh God, is this going to take, what if I have an audition? You know, what if the, what if I have to be somewhere as an actor to be in that career that I had a laser beam focus on since I was a child? That has been probably something that's kept me from living life. And I've tried to let go of that. How did you find the strength to let yourself grow as a human being and, <laughs> um, and, and take on the challenge of going to school? It's one thing to to say i want to do something in social work it's another thing to get your masters um i mean i guess again like the the super duper honest answer is that i was just really unhappy and yeah <laughs> and um i love school i love learning i'm a nerd i love reading i love writing um but beneath that um i think i had the sense that that happiness um is you know the best defi- definition of happiness that I can come up with right now is being able to live with yourself in, in your own silence and your own stillness, yeah. um, in in order to be then generous to others. And I just I just knew in my heart of hearts I just wasn't reaching that place when I was acting. I was really self concerned. I was really, um, I, I was really constantly um, in a state of anxiety, wondering. Uh, wondering if and how I was um, succeeding. And um, it kept me a little stingy emotionally. And, um, and I just needed to break out from that. So for me, it had to be a big, bold and life changing choice, um, because I needed to hold myself accountable to it. Wow. I, I think that, you know, you were talking about the, the emotional side. What did you say? Stingy emotionally? Stingy. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> well, here's my question. I mean, I've always wondered if I if I was unique or not at all. You know, one interesting thing about doing, um, especially if you're playing a part that's that's you know demanding, yeah. I always found I always found myself sort of saving saving it for that night or you know the, the next performance, and right. I found myself sort of related to how you would be waiting for an audition, sort of conserving energy. But it was emotional energy that I then wasn't using for the most important parts of my life. Right. Does that relate? Do you relate to that at all? Well, I do a lot of musical comedy, Bobby. So <laughs> 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 I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about for you. I've seen you in Yank, in, you know, in, in Ragtime, in, um, in Big Fish. My God, your performances are always gut-wrenching, you know, that you have to find something in yourself to access emotion that, to be quite frank, I rarely have to go anywhere near that place as an mm-hmm. actor. And I, I guess I could say that the, 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 the difference between the two is something that I saw in between Book of Mormon and Hamilton is that going to work at Book of Mormon every day was like gags and laughter and like, what is what's gonna what crazy things gonna happen tonight? You know, and doing Hamilton was like showing up to church almost. And yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. I was I was still the musical comedy guy in it. But there's a there's a weight, and the material makes you feel differently, makes your DNA change. It does, and, and I'm sure that doing all those parts took way more out of you emotionally than even really I've been challenged as an actor. So I, I can I can I can see that how that would. You're be. saying the answer is to do musical comedy. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll just keep it simple, as I guess my philosophy. <laughs> no, but I, I look. Let's. I'm going to be honest. I think that you are you you are an actor who has an authenticity and. A, a depth on stage that certainly I couldn't reach in my twenties and that, that you were, you were going deeper with, uh, characters that I, I couldn't have done it. You know, I, I think that I, I certainly had some reckoning in my twenties and things that I had to change in my life to become, to, to clean up my life. And that's how I got to be a better actor. You know, I stopped drinking. I started, you know, having, putting my relationship with 
with my now husband first and saying that was what was most important. And that in turn, I thought it was going to make me a, a worse actor, but it made me a better actor because now I understand what it's like to be in a marriage, you know? And I think that a lot of times as actors, we try to stop life from happening so it doesn't get in the way of our acting career. When in yeah. fact, that's what we need to have an acting career to tell stories as people. Yeah, to reflect the human experience, you have yeah. to be participants in the human experience. <laughs> right, right. I would say, you know, and and obviously, you know, I, I love your answer on if you're giving up acting that you're like, you know, professionally, yes, if people come to me and there's something cool and I can do it, I will do it. To me, I think that a lot of people should think of it that way all the time and just live your life, keep moving forward and just have the opportunities come to you because that's what that's what you end up doing anyway, you know. Usually when you're pushing for something to happen, that that doesn't come to fruition. It's the things that kind of land in your lap, those jobs, those experiences that are the ones that you you get to do and that are so amazing. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I'm sorry, I'm literally talking to you has me flustered because why? I, why? because why? I want to I want to know everything about this moment. And I'm clearly I'm talking way more than I usually talk um when I'm having these conversations because I just think that one of the hardest things to do as an actor is to not make acting and this business your end all be all to put it down and let yourself live life and that's something you just did and I think it's such an, a powerful moment and I look at acting as uh, a wonderful thing and this will be terrible when when I say this but I think it's an addiction I think that no matter I think maybe there's a better word for it you know maybe that's on a bad when, on a bad day I can call it an addiction I think it's also just a life calling that you can never get rid of so that when you are working as a social worker you will be accessing your your inner life as an actor constantly and as a performer God I hope so I mean you know some people who don't make that that correlation are confused um and honestly, some people who 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 frame um, a life, you know, under a spotlight um, as something that's very romantic, uh, you know, they they think I'm a little bit crazy. But I think people who understand that an actor and any sort of helping professional uses intuition and uses um, their imagination to at least try to put themselves in another person's um, shoes. Um, it, that comparison then makes a lot more sense, you know? Right. How do you, I feel like part of the reason that you were talking about, you know, the emotional aspect of, of being an actor is for being on stage, but it's also for the behind the scenes dealing with rejection. That was, that to me was, if ever I'm considering what else can I do in this world other than this, it's because I'm so tired of the rejection uh, behind the scenes from auditions or anything in general. How did you deal with rejection in our industry and how do you continue? How did that change rejection as you deal with it as a human being in general? Oh, that's interesting. Well, I, you know, I, I tried at least on the surface to take it in stride. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I realized how lucky I was once I got to a certain point where people, um, you know, would call me and ask me to do um, work, you know, and, um, the process of getting that job became a little bit less complicated. Um, but underneath it, it was always really assaulting to my self-esteem. And, you know, one, this is another big can of worms, but I'll be really honest, you know, being a, a gay person in an industry that is still very heteronormative is also difficult because, right. um, you know, I was always very aware of whether or not my sexuality would help or hurt my chances at getting a role. Um, and that was painful because I, I really want as a, as a human and as a gay person to be fully in my authenticity as, as a gay person and um, missing out on a role or being rejected because they cast someone straight in a straight role um, would always on some level make me a little bit ashamed of, of my, my sexuality. Wow. Um, and that was another big reason, you know, I, uh, 
that kind of rejection ultimately is not worth it. Um, so um, all that said, I, what's interesting now is that I'm not so afraid in another professional realm of being rejected. I think we're also very well trained yeah. <laughs> into it. So, you know, I just had my, or, my orientation at my, at my new internship for next year. Um, and, you know, there's all these young interns just terrified to ask questions and terrified to look like they might not know what they're doing. And right. I'm freely saying, I don't know what you just said. Could you please repeat that? Yeah. No, I don't understand. Um, because actors do have that special ability to, to, uh, to brush themselves off and, and move on a little bit more quickly, I think. Yeah, no, I remember during the recession in 2008, 2009, when everyone was panicking about losing their job, I was like, oh, this, this doesn't happen all the time to you? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes your, thin, your skin so much thicker. Um, to be, and uh, you know, like that makes you a lot stronger to go out into the world. Do you feel like there are any other skills that, while you were in school, gave, that you had that you didn't have when you were you went to school for acting, right? Oh yeah, I went to NYU. Right. Long time. Yeah. Yes. So a long time ago, we're the same <laughs> age, Bobby. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I don't know, right? <laughs> um, so so going back to school and having all the experience that you have, what, what changed being in a college uh, situation, a university situation? You know, the big thing is, can I curse? Yes, please. It's just, it's fucking using your heart. It's, yeah. you know, like I'm in an academic setting and we're talking about all these very um, theoretical things. But when, when I contribute something in class or in my now semi-professional, you know, status, I, I um, I use my heart. I don't just use my brain um, I, and, or just my intellect, you know? And, and so um, that's something that a lot of people in academia don't know how to do or wouldn't even think to do. Um, and again, that's something that someone who's trained in an emotional art um, has a great deal of access to. Right. Absolutely. When yeah. you, I'm, I'm curious, when you had this, this conversation with uh, maybe your loved ones, but also just with your agents. When you had this conversation with people in the business saying, I'm going to go to school for social work, was that a difficult thing to bring up to say? It was. And, and it was. Yeah, I, I had to sit on it for a while. I, you know, I, I, I avoided telling my manager for about a week. Um, and I told my agent who, who sort of took it in stride, but then asked like when I would graduate and when I could go back out on auditions. Right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and you know, I chose to kind of leave it open-ended because who knows, maybe something would come up during a summer break or something. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to tell the people who are there to support one's very specific part of your life. Um, but how freeing was that too? I mean, it was amazing to, that was the, one of the biggest steps in me saying, you know what, I'm taking this label off right. and I, I'm stepping away and I'm just going to figure out like who I am, uh, free of this, of this label. And to be honest, those difficult conversations with the agent and the manager were, were big catalysts for that. Really? Yeah. It felt very official, you know, talking to your mom yeah. about, the mom about applying to school is different than telling your agents that you can't audition anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, usually we're calling up saying, "Where are the auditions? I want more." <laughs> you know? So it's got to feel very—I I like that you say official. Um, you know, like it, it's—I've it, I've talked a, a bit on this podcast about getting permission to do things. Like, even though we don't need permission from someone else, sometimes doing something or or talking to the right person and telling them something is the way to get permission to let yourself do it. Sure. And then with, with getting that permission comes um, sort of a commitment out in the open and, yeah. and saying it out loud and then yeah. uh, taking that first leap uh, then, you know, impels you forward. God. So then, so then you enrolled in classes. Where, where did you go? Did you go in, is your school in, in New York City? Uh, yeah, I'm still enrolled. I'm, I'm at Columbia University oh, right, right now. That's right. I forgot that. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. So you're in Columbia, you're going to school, you're still in New York City, and you're, did it take a while for your friends and, and your, in, in New York who know you as this Broadway actor to acclimate to Bobby, the, the master's student? No, because, you know, my friends who know and love me 
know the core of me and they, they, they know exactly who I am regardless. But, you know, I guess to your points, I, I did take a, a bit of a step back and I, I sort of stepped away from some of my more um, casual relationships with actors and artists sure. so that I could just kind of feel out the new space um, that I was in. And of course I remained very social, but really more with my, my lifers, you know, my, yeah. my, my friends who, uh, who aren't necessarily connected to the biz or the, the ones who are, but who I'm just very close with, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I, I think that you, you are very authentic on stage and off. I think that, you know, you, you want to be genuine in your relationships. And I, I know what you're saying. It's like, you can't, keep swirling around in that world and showing up to Glasshouse Tavern and being like after the shows and, and, and have the mindset of a student or try to like move into this new world with, with all these um, young people, which I, I know of just from being in Hamilton, being around a lot of young people is kind of daunting. <laughs> um, early twenties is, is such an interesting age. And when I've had to just tell, tell them who Tanya Harding was when I, Tanya, came out, I was like, Oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> Did you yeah, have and that's similar? Like, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I felt like I had to avoid that for a while, but what's so wonderful now is that a couple years later, I'm coming around to, to, to missing that community and, and to realizing the, the incredible beauty in that, in that community. And, um, yeah. and, and frankly, I'm finding myself connect myself. Well, there's only one of me, mm -hmm. myself, uh, connecting to some actor friends in a very new way. Yeah. And, uh, we're having, um, even richer experiences together because of now the difference in our current, um, you know, circumstances. I imagine that for, uh, for you, this doesn't really apply. You, you're, uh, leaving a career at a moment that is from the outside world incredibly successful you're you know what some would say like oh you're walking away from a broadway career that's incredible so going into social work is not uh, a failure it's not something but you know that there are so many other people who are leaving behind acting to go into another career where they have that feeling of, oh, is this a failure? Going and getting your master's, an amazing accomplishment, which is such a horrible thing. You know, like leaving behind an industry, yes, that's part of your childhood dream to go and do something that's even way more incredible in so many other ways. But having the conversation with friends in the industry or people that you've told, like this, this is my dream to be an actor, did you ever have that feeling or what could you say to people as someone who had the wild success and still chose to go into another profession? What can you say to them to alleviate that, that, you know, I don't know, shame. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Or am I making yeah. this up? No, you're not making it up. And you, you know, to your point, like I, I think I had the, the luxury to be able to walk away from something with a bunch of boxes checked off. Yes. Like, you know, my, my ego can absolutely acknowledge that. You know, if I had not had certain milestone successes, I, I might feel more shame. Um, but again, it, it comes down to our culture. And we are, you know, a culture that is, especially now more than ever, celebrating fame and um, consumerism and money and status and hierarchy. And it's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And and, you know, we are all victims of that culture as we, you know, post a million ridiculous pictures on Instagram of, you know, our every moment, me included, you know, and, um, and we just have to talk about a paradigm shift. We have to talk about values that, that are much more important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that it really is, you know, you are, a lot of what you're talking about is the definition of success. And we kind of limit that in our, in our industry to, you know, how many Broadway shows you've been in instead of what your life is completely, you know? And yeah. I, that's why I love having these conversations with the people in our industry to talk about their families, to talk about, you know, what they really care about. I just, I just, while we're talking, I just, my breath keeps being taken away because it's such a phenomenal thing to have the courage to do what you did and 
and to follow through and do it. You know, there's a lot of lot. I mean, I had a, I had my LSATs or whatever. You know, like I had a book that I was gonna, I was going to go to law school. Damn it, you know, back like probably like eight years ago. I never did that. I was just like threatening the acting career to say like, if you don't make me happier, I'm going to leave and I'm going to do something easier, like become a lawyer. <laughs> Which, you know, is insane. Being a lawyer is way harder. Going to get your master's is really freaking hard. And I know that because I have a loved one who's done it. I've seen how hard it is. I know the incredible work that you are putting yourself into. So it's not that you chose an easy way out. You chose a very hard way, but you want to get to work every day. Hey Dreamers, just taking a quick break to remind you about our special offer from Gold Star. Go to goldstar.com backslash Rory, enter the promo code Rory, and you will get an additional $10 off your first order. That's goldstar.com backslash Rory and get that sweet, sweet $10 off. And it supports the podcast. All right, now back to my guest. Um, let's... Let's start, let's go back to your story. Now that we've kind of had this conversation about where you are today, mm-hmm. um, where did you start? You grew up in Maryland? Yeah, so I, I, um, I grew up in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, in a family that just really had no artistic focus or really? an interest whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, a brother who was really into baseball, um, Davey, my brother, and um you know, parents who weren't really aware of the performing arts, but certainly my mom um, uh, was an English teacher and uh, has a, a great love for words and is a great communicator. So, um, you know, I was always hooked into language. Um, but for me, truly through choirs and through uh, community theater, um, you know, theater saved me socially. It helped me to feel empowered as this very um, underdeveloped, shy insecure little gay kid um and it gave me it gave me power it gave me a place like i said earlier where i felt like i could um process uh the kind of difficulty and the isolation of what i was experiencing yeah and so you just you you found an oasis for for yourself and did your parents support that you were doing totally okay totally 100 they they're amazing and they still support my decision even if they're like a little bit perplexed right um uh yeah but they they were all in and that was a huge uh huge help as, as i moved forward um and you know i think what they noticed is that the stage um you know wasn't a place where i was um showing off it was a place where i was finding a voice and finding my um my comfort in the world and so i think they they saw it as something that was really essential for me right i've noticed um in my extensive research on your wikipedia (laughs) page that you were valedictorian in your high school is that true yeah it's true okay so (laughs) i'm trying to sound smarter while i talk to you about (laughs) um uh i i feel like your your education and your the the level of uh, of probably what what your parents and especially your mom being an English teacher the standards on on education and learning and growing that really must have shaped so much of your decision to do what you're doing now because acting is kind of limited you know you learn one set of tricks and you just keep doing it over and over again for you to be somebody who was valedictorian in your high school, you had to be so well-rounded and so, uh, so diverse in, in, in your learning. Uh, how did you go though into an acting school? How did you make that decision? That must've been, that must've been, I don't know. Was it, was it hard or was it like, no, this is my passion. This is my love. I don't care. I'm going to acting school. Yeah. It was more of a one track mind kind of uh, decision. You know, it was just, I was all in, it felt right. I was getting a lot of positive feedback and affirmation. Um, it, it, it was my way of being my truest self. And so I just went at it hardcore. Right. Um, yeah. And, what, and what, what studio did you go to? I went to Cap 21 at oh, NYU. The musical theater studio. Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's any longer in, um, in existence, but um, yeah, it was a great experience. And for me, it was, it was 
most exciting to be in New York and to, um, to grow into my sexuality, to grow into um, my um, my social and um, uh, I don't know what's what's the word my, my myself as a young adult who could then um, make lifelong friends, and I I, I right. still have best friends from that era of my life. Right. I mean, if you go to New York City at eighteen and you only have these other students that you're with, you are friends for life probably because I, I couldn't imagine. I went to school in Pittsburgh, you know, it was like easy to figure out Pittsburgh in a couple of months. But <laughs> trying to like maneuver around New York City at 18 is such a scary thing. Yeah, I remember uh, we had an assignment where we had to go up to 86th Street and I thought I was in camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because NYU's downtown. Yeah, so um, so yeah, it's you know your sense of even space is, is so different when you come here. You know? Did you did you get to utilize other aspects of the university while you were there, like um, outside of of performing? No, I was again just really really one track um, wow. about it all. Yeah, it was really just about acting school and coming into my young adulthood, you know, and being on my own. Those You're not someone who does something lightly or halfway i feel no like- i mean i'm very very purposeful and conscious almost to a fault you know i you mm-hmm. know flexibility is something i've really had to work on um and maybe that's why i even had to leave acting to prove to myself that i can be flexible in really big ways you know right. wow yeah. so so you, you did you start getting jobs and, and work right after you graduated yeah i mean i was super <laughs> super lucky i mean i I did my first Broadway play while I was still in school. I was, um, uh, Lonnie Price uh, cast me as the understudy in Master Harold and the Boys, and I was, I think I was 20. Wow. Um, And he's one of my best friends to this day because um, we've worked together a bunch, but he is someone who has existed in this business for a really, really long time. And he is dedicated um, in every moment to being a better person. You know, he, he has introduced me to philosophy uh, to the best, you know, stoic writers. Um, he uh, and I have the, the most wonderful conversations about what it is to be integrous and kind in a in a in a um, a career that that really threatens those qualities. And so, um, I was really lucky to meet him so early. Do you know that I have a Lonnie Price story that actually includes you because I auditioned to be your understudy in One Ten in the Shade. What? Yes, actually, I've auditioned to be your understudy twice. Never got it um, <laughs> for for Ragtime and for One Ten in the Shade. But I will never. It was the best audition I've ever had. Was for One Ten in the Shade because um, I did the scene, sang the song, and I had done the dance call before. Right? God, God bless. I, yes, and then Lonnie came up to me. After I did the scene and the song and he said, like in front of everyone, and this is if for people who, are not, who did not go to auditions, this is not normal for a director of a play while you're auditioning to come up and whisper something in your ear or take you aside and talk to you after your audition. So I was like, oh, this is good. He's coming towards me, right? <laughs> he said, Rory, I think you're wonderful. You did a, a great job. We really need a dancer for this part to understudy this role. And I said, well, that's not me. So thank you so much for telling me. And I walked out of there and I, I remember Will Taylor, my buddy, Will Taylor was outside waiting to go in. And I said, I didn't get it. (laughs) I thought, yes, it was sad that I didn't get it. And I wanted to be a part of that show, but I've never had someone tell me so humanely that I was not going to get it and not have to wait a couple of days or ask my agent, have they called? Have they said anything to tell me right away and to tell me why in something that I knew was not my strength and to say like, Oh, that's, that's what they needed for this, for this track. It was so beautiful and meant so much to me. So I, I can only imagine if, if you got to, if I got to work with him for an entire show or or a few shows, what kind of impact he would have had on me. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense knowing the man I know. He just, he, he anticipated and then honored your experience and he, yeah. he took into account what you might, might, might've been going through and, and helped you along in that process. You yeah. Know? And, and, and again, I never met the man. I didn't, I, I knew who he was obviously, but he didn't know me. It's not like he was like, Oh, I, I know I like Rory. I'm going to tell him 
you know, right away. No, he was just being a nice person and, yeah. uh, you know, taking the time to do that, which, you know, a lot of people don't. You know, don't. Here's my question for you, because, you know, now that I have nothing to lose, I can say, you know, <laughs> point blank, that I, I just have no patience for a director or a producer who is an asshole. Like, you, right. you know, I don't want to be in your fucking show then. Yeah. So, so how, uh, how do you, having the values we're talking about, um, meet that kind of resistance when you do these days? You know, I have, uh, I've been in situations with directors or producers or situation that I feel like it's just negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm able to separate it from being personal. Sometimes though, with a director, if it's in the room, you can't because it, it, it basically taints the entire show, the entire performance. And that's called bad directing. Like if you are being an <laughs> asshole, is, yeah. like if you are making people uncomfortable while they're creating, they're not going to give you their best. And honestly, like those people, like those are not the people that I've worked on successful projects with. It's, it's the projects that did not go well. That's um, a good point. Yeah. Because then there's no, there's no air of safety. So yeah. how can anyone be authentic? You know? Yeah. And, and most times when people are being jerks, it's because they feel like they have to inflate their ego or themselves because they don't have anything, any accomplishments to back it up. Many times people who ha are the most successful are the nicest because they don't, they don't have anything to prove. Um, I, I, so it, it's tough. I've been in situations where I, I've worked with people who have something to prove and you're not getting it there for them. And if you don't become a better actor, then they're not going to get their next directing opportunity. You know, and that's what you feel like. Oh my God, calm down. We're, we're in the middle of nowhere doing a play. <laughs> let's yeah. just, let's just be good people. How about that? Let's start there. And, you know, I've, I've had to learn how to just breathe through it and not take things personally and remember that they're a struggling artist too. And they're not doing very well. They're, they're sick. You know, like yeah. they're mentally ill at this moment. Um, I mean, you know, you know what you're making me it. think. You're making me think about you know something. I wish that I had known more, and that I would encourage other actors to think about is there. There's actually such power in admitting to an insecurity, in, into yeah. owning owning a fear, into you know bringing out into the open a doubt. Yeah. Um, because the things you're talking about can fester and then create bad behavior. And an inability to be generous. And I think there's there's real strength in saying, I'm scared. I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure it's going to work out, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. think that so much pain and heartache can be avoided on a personal level and uh, in our community if we were just honest with what's really going on inside mm -hmm. of our fears. And, and you know, because... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about social media because I think that you've had some things to say about social media in the past mm -hmm. as an actor. And I think that that is so, that that's one of the main perpetrators or ways that people can keep on this false sense of who they are out in public and not really get into what's really going on, especially as an actor. One of the reasons I'm doing this podcast again is to shed light on what it's really like to be a, performer in our industry and to have a longer conversation that's not just 140 or 280 characters. So what are your thoughts on social media and how it's utilized in our industry by actors or yourself? God, it's so complicated because, you know, social media connected you and me in this moment. You read yeah. what I posted. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, technology is incredibly connective. Um, but I just also think it's really dangerous. I think like anything, um, it has to be used consciously. And, um, you know, when I think about social media, I think about that one episode of, um, high maintenance. Did you see that episode that was all about social media addiction? Yes. Yes. I it's did. really, it's haunting, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and that's the danger. The, the danger is getting so caught up in your device that you are quite literally not looking up yeah. and, and you're not, um, you're not meeting the moments where you could make 
the experience of another person in your actual space just a little bit better. And I think those small sort of micro interactions, um, they have uh, they have power and they can spread to the next person and then on and on. Um, you know, I, I think about like, you know, in New York when a homeless person asks you for money. Right. And oftentimes if you just look them in the eyes and you say, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry, ma'am. I, I don't have anything. They will respond to you with a sort of note of respect. And yeah. I think because you've, you've acknowledged their humanity, you've acknowledged yeah. them in the same space as you, um, whether or not you have the 25 cents to give. And that's just like one example of, of the, the difference we could make if we weren't just so obsessed with our screens. Um, and, you know, I put out this huge post that um, I didn't know how many people would read it. Uh, and a lot of people have, and I've heard from people all over the world and it's been really incredible, but the most powerful interactions I've had about what I posted were in person and uh, with people who could express with their eyes and with their voice and, and with their body, um, their experience of it. And I just don't think you can ever, ever replace those kind of interactions with a comment on social media. Right. Um, and so, you know, to, to compare them is dangerous. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, no, very, very well put. I think that it's, it's amazing how much power social media has has over the world but specifically our industry and how quickly that happened and it's a power that can be used for good or evil and and it's really important at least that we're conscious of how we yeah. utilize it and you know i hear stories i'm not like, you know, I'm not in LA, but I hear stories even in LA specifically that, you know, casting directors will check to see how many followers a certain actor has when yeah. they're, you know, in the mix for a certain role. And if that's a reality, that that's a reality. Uh, it's just, I would say, incredibly important for people to make the distinction between um, what they think they're expressing of themselves and what they express of uh, their professional image on social media and to try to keep those separate if they can. Yes. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that I've had to check myself many times of thinking like, well, I haven't posted or I haven't done something. Should I be putting something out there? Should I go somewhere so that I can take a picture <laughs> and let people see something? And I'm like, that's insane. That's insane. You yeah. don't, you know, like it's, it's one thing to like take a picture and share a, a, a fun moment that's actually just happening, but it's, it's very different to try to figure out ways to make your life look like it's something that it's not, that it's not, even if it's simple, you know, like go, going to a park to take a picture, you know, I know people are trying to look for content, but <laughs> like, what, what does it mean? What is, what is that? Like, it's, it's the, the, the description of what we do as actors and performers. And, you know, it's kind of like, we're a small business. So you, you are like, oh, well, I need to be out there. But I can't believe that there are actually casting people who are looking at how many followers somebody has. I don't understand that because it doesn't make a difference. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Uh, maybe well, maybe I mean, it does. but The fact is, again, we are in a system um, that uh, concerns itself with numbers and money and uh, perceived influence. And so, you know, again that's the system you have to work within it. Um, right. and there are ways to do it more authentically than others, you know? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. I, so you, you have this early success and you, um, went on to do so many great shows, including being nominated for a Tony in ragtime as younger brother. You, as you, you said, you've, you checked those boxes. What did it feel like to check that specific box being nominated for a Tony? Um, it was a, you know, it was one of those like childhood dreams that I never um, invested in too much because it just felt impossible. It yeah. felt like it would, it was just, it could absolutely never happen. Um, and I will say it was really exciting that it happened um, for a show that started out of town that did not have a Broadway run announced um, early. Yeah. Um, and it was really shocking to get nominated for a show that had already been closed for several months. Right. I forgot that. So all those things made it um, 
really, really thrilling. Um, and then, you know, the shame of it was that I didn't get to celebrate that success with my cast um, and and with the, the company of the show that we were also proud to have done. Right. So, uh, so it was a double-edged sword. It was, it was absolutely thrilling and it was a little bit lonely. Um, and um, the best part of it is I got to take my mom and, uh, you know, give her an evening that, that hopefully showed her how grateful I was for all of her support throughout the years. Um, and I, I will say again, quite honestly, and this is not to disparage the incredible accomplishment that a Tony nomination or award um, is, but you get there and you're also given the sense that it's not really for the community. It's to sell tickets mm -hmm. and it's, it's to support the larger industry. Right. And that was also an interesting um, observation that I was able to make. Right. It's kind of, it's, it's hard to go to the event that you dreamed about, that you had all these childhood aspirations mm -hmm. around and, and see behind the curtain. And kind of know what actually goes into it. It's not just the uh, the jazz hand party that you thought <laughs> thought it would be, <laughs> and, and that whole experience of like the, the what leads up to it, and and the <clears throat> and meeting people, and the and Tony voters, and going to this party and that party. Um, it's kind of it, it's it's definitely a different beast than you imagine. I guess is what you're saying. Right? Yeah, and and strangely, and I'm sure you experienced this too for about like six months. You know, you're the toast of the town. So everywhere you go, people know your name and they're pointing at you and they're taking pictures and, right. you know, they want you to wear their their outfit or their, you know, the suit that they designed. And that is so intoxicating. It's so exciting. And it's just not real. Right. It's not real because right. they're not they're not seeing any part of you um, that is the most special or the most valuable. They're just seeing the very little they know of you, which is that you're great in this one production and people are talking about you. Yeah. And. That's that's the truth. Yeah. No, it it, it is and it, it's it's I guess what I leads into what I would love to get back to. It. You talked so much about not being fully happy. And mm -hmm. I think that that's going to be so hard for many of my listeners to grasp because yeah. you're at the Tonys. You are living the dream. Mm -hmm. it, on Broadway, really having a fantastic career. Where was the disconnect I, for someone? I, everyone on Broadway knows exactly what you're talking about. Sure, you know, it's it's. But you articulate it so well. Why is it that you were having all this success, but it wasn't giving fulfilling you in that way to make you fully happy? The simplest way I can say it is that um, an acting career despite my efforts to do better, made me selfish. And it made me think about me and my, um, you know, my future employment, my success in the current job, my, um, my, my presence um, far more than it helped me to connect to others. Um, not that I couldn't, I had incredible connections, incredible, incredible experiences of community. But um, I just thought about myself too much. And I just don't think that anyone who's thinking about themselves um, that much can be happy. Because I think what makes people happy is, uh, is to be simply themselves and, and to then, again, be comfortable enough to be generous with others. Yeah. Wow. And, and that is something that you... <laughs> it's, it's interesting that that was the specific reason because going into social work <laughs> is going to <clears throat> really bring all of that to you. But, but just, I mean, it's going to be such a huge challenge, right? But it you is, are, are going to be there for the, other people. The gift, I mean, the selfish gift even, is that you get to go into these places and you get to connect with and learn from people who are, um, whose circumstances are, are more dire than yours in, in many cases. Yeah. You know, I, I've worked this year a lot with um, LGBT immigrants who are, in New York for the first time after kind of harrowing experiences getting here. Wow. It's, you know, they're incredible people, um, really to the number. They've been amazing to work with, but they also give you an incredible perspective. I mean, I am lucky. I am so privileged. I'm so fortunate. And uh, to be able to be reminded of that and also um, 
to leave every day, not knowing if you made a difference, but at least uh, you tried. Yeah. That when you get on the subway on the way home gives you a, a sense of, of, um, of peace. Yeah. And it's a sense of peace I never really had when I left a show and, um, and got on that same subway ride. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 something that you said uh, in, in your, in your post as well was that, you know, it's not enough right now at this point in time to say that, uh, what it was it that art itself will be enough or something that, that creating I think art? we can't celebrate art for art's sake anymore. Yes. That, that it, this moment in time is different. And that kind of that that really has stuck with me because I, I truly do believe that art does change the world. Telling the stories, you know, that you can put on a play about these immigrant LGBT, LGBT people, and it will make a difference. However, there's a lot of work on the ground that needs to happen right now, and just celebrating the art isn't enough. No, I, I really don't think it is. But you know. The, the ultimate point is that, you know, we don't even know if our vote will count in November because of, because of, you know, Russia, yeah. but, we, but we do have power in, in being kind and compassionate and, and listening and extending um, an empathic energy uh, to others and, and all others, not, not just people in our, in our sphere, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's the, it's, you don't have control over everything in the world, but you do have control of how you choose to go about your day making a difference in the people around you. And I, I think that, you know, as as artists and as actors, one of the things that we strive to do is connect with other human beings. Sometimes it is in a selfish way, but it is about trying to inhabit other characters, trying to get a story across to people in an audience and have that communion with them in that moment. So it is it is something that you, it is a kind of theater that you are going to be performing with each one of your clients, having that communion with them, finding out their story. It's almost like they're the ones who are performing for you and not to draw all these, you know, uh, parallels. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think it's important to articulate what, why this is such a natural progression for you. You know? Yeah, I, 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 I continue to hope that it is because again, fully, I, I don't know. But yeah. you know, theater, theater is a sacred space. You know that that performance when everyone signs the the silent contract to silently observe this um, this reflection of humanity. Um, and uh, you know, I'm hoping that I can bring that sense of of sacredness to being a social worker, and that I can encourage that sense of sacredness in in other people, no matter what they do. You know, right. to, to treat to treat moments of authentic connection as sacred. Well, I am so inspired by you, Bobby. I, I think that uh, this is—it's it, it, not just the fact that you've that you've done this that you've done something amazing by going to become a social worker, to make this kind of change in the world, to go through what it takes to get your master's degree, but that you are being so open and honest with the rest of the artistic community. Because if it's something that you can do and, and that you can step away from a career that is just completely the definition of success, and find happiness in doing something else. I think that gives permission, as I was talking about before, you just doing that and being open and honest about it, it gives permission to so many other folks and the rest of us to find other ways to make us happy outside of just performing on a stage or as an actor. And it's sometimes that's out of necessity, like financially, like we need to find other ways to make income. But sometimes it's just for our soul so that we can be happy, as, as you said, um, was one of your main reasons to do it, to, to, to be of service to others. And I find that incredibly inspiring. And I'm so, so grateful that you shared our story, your story with us today.
Well, you're doing the same thing within a, a, a wonderful acting career. And I think that's just as special and just as powerful. You know? Well, I appreciate that, but I, I don't have to go to Columbia to, to get my microphone. I think that your accomplishment here is absolutely astounding. I, I'm giving you a standing ovation, <laughs> applauding you, bravo. I, it's funny because I've talked to so many teachers in my family and people who, you know, my mom who's, you know, worked at in an office for 41 years, a single mom, she never left that office and had people applauding her or, or standing up and, and giving her an ovation. And the people who really deserve that are the social workers, the teachers, the people, the nurses, the people who are making a difference in people's lives every single day. And, um, I, I applaud you, and I'm I'm so excited to see where this new adventure takes you. And I hope that we don't lose you forever to the stage. But I think that this experience is going to make you an even better actor, and that you'll have even more stories to tell as an artist. Thank you so much. And can I make one plug before we end? Oh, please. So I'm raising money for the LGBT. Uh, immigrants that I discussed earlier. And I made this website. It's called um, samerainbow.com. Um, and uh, and anyone who wants to go on there and just donate a few bucks to the, the clients who are adjusting to life in New York um, after being in immigration detention, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. We will all go do that right now and make a <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, Bobby. We're all inspired by you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks so much, Rory. It was great talking to you. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.